everybody. Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 385, being recorded on February 3rd, 2016. I'm Ryan Schrout. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. And I'm Alan Maldonado. And boom, he hits it on the first try. We didn't have to redo the intro. Yeah. Like, there's no labels on these buttons. I just know now which buttons are You which. somehow figured it out. I figured it out what four buttons indicate properly. Uh-huh. Like, if I want to show you the PC, I can do that. If I yeah. want to show you Jeremy, I can do that. Uh-huh. Josh, and then us. I can do all those things. Yeah. If only Ken would Push do them that. all at once and see what happens. Do all the no, things. I will not no, do, do not those things. Push them all at once. I will once. not do those things. Um, so, Al, uh, Alan, Ken is not here with us today. He is not. Uh, he's... I don't know, gallivanting around. We have secretly replaced Ken with a eight-button PCB. <laughs> it has eight uh, stereo headphone jacks in the back of it too, for no purpose at this point, as far that's, as I can tell. That's true. But um, uh, yeah, so Alan's out, of, or Alan Ken is out of town. Alan is here. Yes, I'm right here. Uh, and so we're gonna do the show without him. And when he comes back, he may not have a job. Yeah, we'll change the locks. Because I have to edit the podcast by myself tomorrow. Yeah. I have to edit the video. Yeah. Upload it. I have to do RSS feeds. All this by myself. Mm. It's kind of unacceptable when I you guess think about it. I guess that's why we pay Ken. I. Yeah. yeah. It's probably worth uh, the hassle. I don't know. No? It's 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 a pretty big hassle. Uh, so let's get into it. I don't know what else we're going to get into here. So uh, we'll talk about hardware and stuff. Uh, we do record the show on Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific at pcpro.com slash live. Uh, if you need a gentle reminder of that, I encourage you to go to pcpro.com slash subscribe. You get this little page here uh, that asks for your name and your email address. Good job over there. Uh, and when you uh, uh, do that, you'll get put on a mailing list. And we basically send you an email um, you know, 90 minutes, an hour, 15 minutes, a day. Sometime before we do a live stream, you'll get an email telling you exactly what that live stream is going to be um, and uh, how to attend it if there's prizes involved. We did a, a, a stream last Thursday, a racing stream, um, that Josh was kind enough to organize for us. Um, and we gave away a racing wheel, $200 racing wheel from Thrustmaster. Mm-hmm. So nice. You were there, Josh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and not only that, but I even got it sent out. You did. You did. You, oh, In you did. Fantastic. Somewhat timely basis. That's that's Some. all. Uh, that's all great news. So if you want to p- take part in those types of events, uh, then make sure you go to pcpro.com/slash/subscribe. If you're looking for another way to contribute to PC Perspective, maybe you love seeing all the effort that goes into creating this podcast, like this weird thing that we that Ken kind of created and Alan kind of did some soldering on Mm -hmm. yesterday so that we could actually continue to do the live stream you think you know what those guys are working hard Ryan's up like fixing audio things he doesn't know how to do really he's hitting buttons like this on this thing right it's got to be worth at least five bucks a month it's got to be that's at least a five dollar a month (laughs) type amount of effort I think guys Uh, and you can uh, contribute to our Patreon uh, if you go to patreon.com slash pc per uh, you can go here. You can see the little video about why we're doing Patreon. You can see some of our milestones, some of our rewar- uh, uh, rewards for backers. Um, and uh, you get to see a picture of Josh in a bathtub. So if nothing else, I think it's worth going to patreon.com slash PC per um, if for that. And so uh, we we thank everybody who is currently a patron, a contributor through that service. Uh, and for those of you who are considering joining, we would uh, greatly uh, appreciate it. If you would do so. So again, patreon.com slash PC per for that. Let's uh, go ahead and get into content that has occurred this week. Uh, first up, we've got Tomb Raider performance we're going to look at. This is the new game, Rise of the Tomb Raider. 
Um, it is not called Tomb Raider colon Rise of the Tomb Raider, which is how I had been saying it up in the whole week building up to its release. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Are you entering the Tomb Raider colon? Tomb Raider because colon. Because that could be illegal in most states. <laughs> uh, it, probably, it, yeah, it probably is. But it would look amazing in this game. Yeah, it would. The visuals in this game are actually pretty pretty stunning. Um, the last Tomb Raider, like the 2013, was it 2013, I think? The reboot of Tomb Raider was actually really, really good. This one is even better. Um, it, it came out on Xbox One, I think, in November. Uh, and it's not going to come out on PS4 until this coming November. Uh, but they released it on PC just this past week. Um, some some really 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 stunning visuals. We actually have a 4K 60 hertz video that you can watch embedded in this story as well. Sweet. If your PC can play it back, uh, uh, that is our 60 second test run that this screenshot is part of. Um, that nice, you can nice, look at. nice work to uh, GeForce Experience for, to be able to record that. Yeah, G, GeForce Experience <laughs> is what recorded this for us because Fraps was killing our system. <laughs> it just completely trying to it. record at 4K. And honestly, I'm not even going to try to play it back on this uh, little two-core yeah, laptop. Don't, don't do that either. Um, so we tested a 980 Ti, 980, and a 970, and then a Fury X, an R9 Nano, and an R9 390. Just a handful of cards. You know, six different GPUs. Look through performance here, um, and this is a beastly game for um performance right also yeah. keep my this screenshot right here i'm going to click on this and expand it out i think i am no i'm not i'm gonna do that on the last page uh but so a 980 ti running at very high image quality settings but hbao plus turned down to on because that is one of the um uh, what do you call that? GameWorks features that was enabled that I didn't want people to complain about. But if you look at this, uh, the black line there in the observed frame rate is the R, uh, R9 Fury X, and the pink line is the GTX 980 Ti. And they're pretty close. The 980 Ti is a little bit faster, it looks like, in some particular areas. But like you're never getting really above 80 frames per second, and you're dipping below 60 several times, right? Um, and this is with a 980 Ti. And that's only 25 by 14. That's 25 by 14, right, exactly. It's not even the 4K resolution. Now, uh, this is an unfortunate thing that occurred. Um, we were using the 16.1 driver. Apparently, since I published this, they came up with a 16.1.1 yesterday okay. afternoon, I think. And I haven't tested to see if this changed anything well, on that? AMD It looks pretty side. regular. So the orange and the black lines there are the Fury X and the Nano. And you see they have these kind of regular, kind of patterned, high frame rate. You fed it the Metamucil right before you tested, didn't you? Yes, it was a very regular pattern of frame time spikes. Um, So that's a low frame rate spike. Yes. Because the time spiked high. So it Correct. The frame game, time went high. The, the game, game just, basically uh, stalled. Yeah, the game just stuttered for... For one, two frames, whatever it was. Yeah. And if you zoom in here, you can see, like, actually, there's a bunch that happens kind of it's in this middle section. Yeah. And you can actually see the NVIDIA cards here as well. They dip down, actually. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's something funny going on there in the game. But it's not a loading time or anything like that. It's, it's just normal gameplay. Uh, and as a result, like so you can see, the the 90 Ti is a little bit faster than the uh, Fury X there. Um, but this frame variance kind of your yeah. percentile graph shows the value of those frames. Yep. Um, the black and orange lines skyrocket up right at about the 95th percentile. The orange a little bit before that, um, showing you that you know that last five percent, that worst five percent of frames on the Fury X and Nano are bad. Yeah, they're they're not good, whereas the pink and green lines stay down there. Now, 4K, um, man, is this killing killing hardware? We're running at 
like 35 frames per second on the two top end cards. Uh, but you still have this uh, frame stutter whatever right there in the two AMD but cards. But which was supposedly fixed in the driver. I don't know. I, I don't know if they even really oh. said that, but there was a driver that offered hot fixes, and I, mean, I think I'm, Tomb Raider was, was I'm sure listed they'll do in something that. for that. Like, yeah. You know. I don't know. How I would. Quick, I would but. think so. But here's what's interesting, right? Um, on the next page, we look at the R9 390, uh, and we compare it to the 970. We keep the Nano and the GTX 480 in there just for context. Okay. Right. The 970 is significantly slower than the 390 here, which is interesting and worth note. Yep. Uh, but look at this graph. This is the. Uh, you see, the black line is the nano now, and it has the same cadence of frame rate spikes. Sure. The orange line is now the R9 390, which is a different architecture completely. It doesn't use HBM. It has 8 gigs of memory, and there are none of those. Ooh, none. So it doesn't it, – it, a driver could fix it still, but it doesn't appear to be a driver-specific issue. Right, there's some combination of it and hardware. Right, clearly, if the uh, Hawaii there's, graphics there's, there's GPU something that the driver path that gets taken for that architecture versus the other. So it's interesting. You think about it. I didn't test it yet, but I, I would like to see like a 390 or a 290x with four gigs of memory instead of eight gigs of memory, oh. um, and see if maybe something about that architecture, the way it compresses, maybe the memory usage is a little bit too high at these settings. Um, uh, it, it's really interesting that it showed up in the Nano and the Fury X, but not in the R9 390. Uh, and you can see that again here in this frame variance graph where the black line of the Nano kind of spikes up at like the 92nd percentile, really, uh, while even the orange line of the 390 is down there with the same minimal variance of the of the 980. At 4K, this uh, occurs again, as you would expect, except again, the R9 390 does not have those spikes. Uh but uh, frame rates are, are particularly low at 4K. Here's the screenshot I wanted to click on. This is a 4K screenshot, um, and this is this is actually like a screenshot. It's not like a yeah. That's what we saw on the screen. Yeah, it's not like a painting. It's not like a pre-rendered. It and it it looks this good. In this looks a little bit better than in motion because you get a little bit of like. You yeah. know, texture flicker or whatever it is, you sure. know, a little aliasing. But this is this is a screenshot from the game. This is not like something I took from their website. I took this screenshot um, while playing at 4K. It is it is stunning looking. The animation is fantastic. Yeah, you know, like that is the environment that moves around. Yep. Oops. Yep. Um, okay, I don't know what I'm doing here. Uh, so it's it's pretty impressive to see how this all looks. Honestly, uh, performance wise. The 980 Ti looks like it's the best card for this game for right now. Um, closely followed by the Fury X, if they can figure out those kind of frame rate yeah. issues, those Others. frame spikes, yeah, uh, frame time spikes. Um, but uh, you're gonna need some GPU horsepower to play this at very high settings. Obviously, you can drop down the image quality settings and you'll get you'll get better performance. But uh, this game is no slouch. And if you want a game that looks better than its console brethren, this is gonna be uh, an option for you guys to check out. Um, so it's a fun game for the few hours I did play it, and it looks pretty good at the same at the same time. Uh, all right, let's move on and talk about the exact opposite of Tomb Raider performance. We're going to talk about the performance of SSDs. Yeah, buddy. Uh, so I don't know exactly what's what what started this conversation. I guess that we had. I don't know if we saw the motherboard first or whatever, or the the beginning of the conversation really started when we saw the first Z one seventy stuff. 
and we saw how the layout of that architecture was so that you could replace SATA ports with up to three M.2 PCIe by four ports. Right. Um, and the initial thought was like, hey, that'd be pretty cool if you can do like triple M.2 on a board. Yep. But of course, that was when we first looked at it, which was months ago. And there was no such thing. Um, and then I think it was Ken saw. Like, hey, Gigabyte's making a triple M.2 So board. we saw this motherboard, the Gigabyte uh, Z170X SOC Force, that, mm. and for all intents and purposes, is just a high-end, like, almost $400 motherboard, right? Yeah. There are some other boards that have triple M.2 that are lower cost. Are this is the first one that we came this across. This is the first one that we saw that we, yeah, that we and, were able to get. Yeah. Um, so you can see in this shot that there are three M.2 SSDs installed in that perfect gap between it's all like, of the PCI like, Express slots. Yeah, it's like that gap wasn't designed for that, yeah. honestly. So it's pretty cool. That's, that's, that's pretty cool looking. Um, we did a video on this as well. So what we're looking at is essentially a system. It's a Z170 system, so it's not a, uh, it's not a X99. X99 Haswell E platform, which right. in theory would be better with the additional PCI Express lanes that it has. Kind of. Okay, well, we can talk about that as, as we go through this. Yeah. Um, but here's our, here's our test bed that we were running it on. Three of those boards. We had a 970 in it. Um, a 6700K processor, nothing outside of the realm of what you could actually buy and install right. into these platforms. Now, what's interesting is, so this diagram is basically showing us how the layout of these motherboards works, right? So This is C170 chipset general. The, the, the processor only has 16 lanes of PCI Express 3 coming out of it. It yeah. then... Almost all of that goes toward... Pretty actually, much all goes to GPUs. Actually, I think it's 20. No, it's 16. Oh, okay. It's 16. But what happens is, is the chipset has four more. Yeah. Right? So in theory, you could get 20 more. But like the chipset has this internal bandwidth, um, HSIO lane assignments. Although, is that E supposed to be in there? E? Where are you? Assign E-mints in there. Ah, Do you see that? You see yeah, that in there yeah, with yeah. the E there? I don't know. Um, but... As you have seen, if you've bought any motherboard recently, is sometimes when you enable a feature or take advantage of a feature, it will disable other parts of the board. Yes. Right? So, oh, I'm using one M.2 slot, so I lose two SATA ports. Mm -hmm. Okay? And that trade-off is usually, you know, worthwhile based on what your performance measurements are. And when you're doing three M.2... You're going to lose something. You're going to lose a lot, as it turns out, right? What do we end up losing on this well, platform? Well, actually, in this case, I believe you only end up losing... The six Intel SATA ports. So, so you lose a total of six SATA ports. There are uh, eight total because there's an Asmedia chipset on this board. That's and, probably on purpose. Well, most boards, especially $400 boards, will have an extra True. controller. Like pretty much all of them now, right? Um, and if you're doing triple M.2 RAID, you really don't need to connect six SATA SSDs for your OS to use. No. Either, you know, so you can kind of get away with having less SATA ports. <laughs> Um, in that case, and right. the way that the way that Gigabyte laid it out on this board, there's actually two ways that you can do it. Okay. Uh, the first two SATAs can be grouped so that by putting in, like, say that middle one, you will suck up four SATAs. Okay. Okay. And it makes more sense to do that. I think every board we've looked at has done it that way because then you can have, say, a board has one M.2 slot. You can make it so that that's the slot taking up the left lanes. Right. And that way you can have an M.2 SSD installed using four lanes of PCI and still have all six SATA. Gotcha. Right. Um, which is good, right? And that's what Gigabyte 
did here so that you have the option to use one of those three slots. You have to be careful which one you pick. But if it, you pick it, the right one... It affects things, which one it you does affect which pick. Yeah, yeah. But if you pick the right one, you will still have all six Intel SATA ports if you need them. I will say that needs to be a much more um, obvious process. It's it's documented in in the manual for the Kind board. of. No, it but it's like you. in a table. There's right? a table. It should, be, it should be in the UEFI. It should be in a, like, there should be, when you turn on your freaking system and you yeah. go to the BIOS, there should be yeah. a picture of all the ports and available uh, connectivity options. And there should be like a little diagram that says, hey, if you install this, these things go red because you're not going to be able to access those. Why that doesn't exist is kind of beyond me. I don't why know. it's sign of this arc. Like, why do I have to look at this table and somehow decipher you, it? You really do. In the BIOS, you have no idea. Like, it even still shows you uh, you can configure hot plug on or off for all six ports, even though you know that they're all off. Four are disabled. Or, yes, all of them are disabled. Yeah, in yeah. our case, they were all and that's off. that's stupid. And we still had the options there. Right. Like, you would think that you still had those ports if you didn't know any yep. better. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. If only they designed some sort of graphical BIOS interface we could use. Mm, yeah. That'd I mean, be nice. Yeah. Like UEFI or something. Yeah, I, that, that might be an idea. There was... I thought there was something like I've seen it in some BIOSes where it like shows which memory slots are populated or sure. um, the which graphics there. cards are, are populated. Yeah. You know, I would like to. S- there's all kinds of things that pe- they should be adding that's, to this, that's like the little next LEDs step. that show things. But yeah, anyway, that's, go that's ahead. That's the next step for this. But um, so uh, this is different from even normal like what you might be used to if you just did Intel RST SATA stuff like mm-hmm. raids. Yeah, because. The console the, to configure is not like hit tab or hit control I during boot kind of a thing to configure your RAID. It's right. in the BIOS itself, right? So you can go in there. Uh, each board tends to have its own trick. So for this one, we had to, like, disable CSM. We had to right. flip yeah, another switch. There. And then once we flipped those switches, and it was in the manual now, which was much better. Like, the Asus board, we had to, like, actually call them up. Right. <laughs> like, hey, like, we don't know how to turn this on. So uh, it was in the manual. We'll follow those steps. Reboot it again, and then poof, we had, like, Intel RST options in the BIOS. Um, the other thing to note is that you're going to have to have a Windows installer if you're installing from USB. Now's the time where you're going to have to make that thing GPT partitioned for UEFI BIOS. Right you can't here. use, like, if you're using Rufus, you can't use the default, which is, like, MBR for BIOS or UEFI CSM. Like, you can't, because you have, in this case, you have to disable CSM to even get RST to work. So you're stuck in a catch-22. If you re-enable it to see the USB device to install Windows, your array goes away. So yeah. you only get one or the other, right? Another so, thing that could be more easily explained and, like... I really wish it was. Because I, it's, I mean, it's I wouldn't still know not, to do this. Yeah, it's still not explained. That's why I, I specifically added yeah. that to the article, because, yeah. you know, it's just something you got to know. So if you do all that and you go in you, you install Windows to it, like... Yeah. You know the Windows 10 installation process, and then you get this inside Windows, right? You get your 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 volume management. Yeah. Like once you once you're in get. Windows, you have to install the RST like Windows version, right? Right, because the thing you would install just to get Windows onto it would be like the floppy version of the driver. So once you're <laughs> in Windows, you have to do like the real install of RST, and then you can get a console. And it, and also if you're using the array as a as a secondary array, which is yep. what it, how it was configured here, um, you could go all the way into Windows without installing the driver, right? You know, and then install RST, and then uh, your, your PCI stuff will pop up. And it is interesting to be able to create and destroy and rearrange PCIe raids within the OS without rebooting. That's just like yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Because um, there's a lot of underlying mechanics that has to happen there to make right. that just work. 
and uh, it does. Cool. So we had no issues. So quick results here. Um, are, are you ready for the cat tax first? The what? Oh, oh. the cat tax. Oh, hello, cat. Wow. This would be the latest addition to the family. Oh, you got another animal? And it's showing you its butt. <laughs> well, it is a cat. Well, yes, it's a cat. <laughs> yeah. Hey, everybody, Rainy. look at my butt. That's pretty funny. What's, it, what's his name or her name? All right. Rainy. He or her? She. Okay. She was dropped off in front of somebody's house in a rainstorm. Yeah. <clears throat> That's how usually you end up with, like, the... 100 cats? The stray cats yeah. in the rain crying at the back door. Yeah. That's yeah, why I anyway. call my friends like Josh. I say, please come take this cat. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, all right. So, all right, so um, what are these? These are results that people will, will immediately know and understand. Yeah. So first we did a, just a ra- simple rounds of Addo. Um, and the thing you notice almost immediately is that a single uh, 950 Pro is running, at least on reads, pretty close to the bottleneck that you run into with DMI. Because if you look DMI between, being the interface between the chipset and the processor. The chipset and the CPU, yeah. yeah. Um, that's going to be your bottleneck once you start piling more PCIe SSDs behind the chipset. Um, so as you can tell from the green lines on Atto, if you look between like the first, you know, single drive and double, it doesn't double, right? The, the writes double, but the reads don't because they're hitting the max, basically. Right. They're hitting the, the chipset maximum. Um, and then if you go from two to three, you don't really see much more of an advantage, actually. Right. Uh, you know, really not much anywhere, at least in Addo. Right. And um, you do show a RAID 5 here just for, because people will always ask about this. Yeah, because they, just for anybody's curious how RAID 5 would perform on this and particular thing. And sexy. Uh, what, that it does RAID 5? And decent, yeah. decent yeah, and does speeds. Yeah, and it does well, yeah. Um, it... It, uh, I mean, it, it gives you at least two SSDs worth of performance and reads. Um, here's our kind of standard uh, iometer, yep. IOPS and here's scaling. The, that's right? the typical kind of thing you would see, like, in the way we used to review these. You know, just the IOPS scaling as you ramp up Q-depth. And even if you look there, like, Q-depth all the way up to 8, like, there really isn't much difference. Even at 16, they're all kind of really close to each other as far as the IOPS you're getting. Um, if you look at writes, it's a little bit different because, um, because you are actually limited by the SSDs more in writes. Right. Um, and even though, Correct. Yeah, <laughs> even, even though in Addo, it looked like there wasn't much of a difference between two and three drives here, you can tell that there is a difference once you get, you know, especially as you huh. ramp up, yeah. ramp up the queue. Um, okay. so that, that kind of gives you like the initial, the thing that people will tend to talk about and dismiss Z170 RAID for PCI stuff, they're like, oh, you hit a bottleneck, like, immediately. Right. Add but, the second drive in. Yeah, yeah, second drive, and you're already limited. You're already not using all of the bandwidth, at least on reads. Like, ah, why would I want to do that? And the thing you have to consider is not everything an SSD doing is doing is sequential performance. Right. Um, at all, really. Uh, most of what your OS does is going to be, like, random access. Um, random reads, random writes. So this gets into your your next page of results where you're looking at latency percentiles. Yes. Uh, I will say that if you we go we talk about this for about 15 minutes in a video that you can read or read a video that you could watch uh, on this story. Yep. As in addition to reading the actual story. Yeah, there's a whole lot of. Info so I don't want to spend the exact same 15 minutes no. talking about it here. The, the gist of it is. Yeah. You know. 
you can distribute load across multiple SSDs in a RAID generally, mm-hmm. right? Um, and what you'll what you see in the in the charts that are that are in the article on page four is if you took if you look at a single SSD, like as you load it more, as you have higher queue on it, the latencies tend to climb up. Right, and we're showing like how those latencies climb up, like what they actually look like, as opposed to just putting like an average, which is what everybody has only had access to in the past. Sure, you don't have an, like an average and a maximum, right? Um, but obviously, having these kind of profiles gives you the whole story on what that latency profile looks like. Um, so you can see what that looks like, but then as you add drives and you put the same load on them, or at least the same queue depth. Uh, that latency profile gets much narrower, much tighter, and all the IOs are being responded to with an, uh, less of a variance in time, just like frame rating, right? Right. Um, so we, we we talked about it as like this is similar to what the frame rating methodology was for graphics performance testing. This yep. is kind of similar to that in terms of storage performance testing because you are not you, you're paying attention to not just the raw throughput. AKA average frame rate over a test. Yep. Uh, In this case, like it, average IOPS or average. Right. Latency. But now you're actually measuring each individual IO, just mm-hmm. like we were measuring each individual frame time. Yep. And you look for things that stand out. In that data, yep. this is a, this is very different than anything that has been done before, anything that we've written about before, or testing methodology done before. Um, even though it is very like much like frame rating is very dense. If you don't have a background in what the topics are, it, yes. it can be hard to understand. Yes. At first. Which is why we try to, there's a whole bunch of words around those charts. There are words around charts. And like you said, there's a video embedded in the story as well, where we talk about these charts very specifically. Yep. But the, the short version of it is even though you're bottlenecked, even after just one drive, Yep. you know, uh, as far as maximum throughput goes, uh, we saw very large differences in the testing we did as far as the latency differences when you add drives, right. which equates to, you know, just the system will behave much snappier. Like, if you can respond to IOs that much faster, it all depends on what kind of stuff the computer's doing with those, but if it's something where it has to ask for something and then do something with that information before it asks for the next thing, right. like, those all stack on each other. So the latency of each one counts, right? Um, and not only that, but just adding the drives to it just by the fact that you can get more IOPS out of all the drives means that, you know, if a, a game was only going to ask for so many IOPS of the drives, mm-hmm. the latency would actually end up, uh, the QDEF would actually end up even lower than just by dividing across the drives. It would push it even lower because the game yep. or the thing is only asking for so many per second anyway. Um, that would be kind of, that would be unchanged. The workload it, goes down. Yeah. So it, it builds on itself, yep. right? So the latency drops even lower. Um, so that's good. Right? It's like the lower latency, the snappier it is. Like it's closer to just acting as if the thing was already in memory, basically. Right. You know, the lower latency you can go, the, the better. So, yeah, it's it's it's, it's really cool stuff. Uh, I encourage you guys to go read the, in particular, that page, and then watch the video where Alan and I discuss the testing and what it shows and and how it benefits. Yep. Uh, but before we leave this story, I did want to point out this picture um, that shows. Uh, the thermal impact of these, like this looks pretty interesting, especially since we see the white hot area that is the controller <laughs> there. Um, is this affecting power consumption or, or heat in your system? Is this a concern if, if somebody wanted to do something crazy like this? I mean, these drives use six watts max. Oh, each. okay. 
So you're drawing a whopping 18 watts if you're actually like taxing all three at the same time. Um, yeah, but 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 they're very point dependent on where those six watts are delivered. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. A lot of it is at the controller, but we had no airflow going across that test bed, and we actually had a water cooler on the CPU with the fan not even. So that's near. kind of worst case. That, that's just stale air just yeah. sitting there with the, and it's not even the that test bed was sitting flat horizontal. So the air isn't even, like, rising across. Somebody in the chat asks where the graphics card was. Uh, we, for this particular, I was in order to do that, we use the, the onboard graphics of the processor yeah. to do that. Yeah. Yep. I didn't want even a GPU cooler <laughs> uh, to be messing with airflow or anything there. Yeah. And that was with a pretty good load running on the SSDs continuously. And the, and the max temperature there was, like, what, 153? One, this is 153 Fahrenheit. Um, so they don't, throttle, they don't throttle till around, like, 170, 180. Yeah. So and and somebody's asking like would a graphics card on top of that top one affect it? And and you would it think depends it depends on the graphics card. Depends on the graphics card because if you have a blower style, uh-huh. I would think it would kind of create a stale air yeah, underneath because it. That, but because it, the bottom part of a blower style just doesn't have it has no airflow. If you have regular fans on it, you would think that it's kind of creating air movement around it. And it does. Also consider you're going to have it in a case. There's going to be airflow that you know you're normally pushing across a video card yeah. anyway. So but, but there's the big, going to be the, the airflow bigger point for the that is where that same kind of load applied to a single 950 just sitting would probably start to throttle. Right. But in that configuration, they didn't because all three drives were just loaded much less, right? So it's, it's like just much, much harder to get them to thermally throttle because, again, you're distributing the load so that they're taking less power on right. each one. Right. Yeah. Now, before we wander off into Josh Tech land, Uh-oh. you'd alluded that there was a reason that the uh, Z170 would be a better choice than the X99. Okay. Even with those gobs of PCI Express links. True. So here's the thing. Currently, the only way you can RAID PCIe natively, or kind of natively, is by using RSTE, which is Enterprise Edition RST. Which is the Intel software Intel software. And you have to have, I think, a C600 chipset, which is, I think, what X99 is kind of using for that, isn't it? Uh, Yeah, it's a derivative of that's branded differently, yes. Right. I mean, we used RSTE on an X99 chipset in the past to test, and it it worked. Here's the thing, though. Uh, You can't boot from that, at least as it exists right now. Okay. You can't boot from it. So don't expect to be able to boot from a PCIe RAID under X99 anytime probably on that chipset ever. I don't think it's going to be a thing. Right. Uh, also, you don't have a chipset, you don't have chipset hardware helping you do any of the work for the RAID. Mm-hmm. Okay. So for like the RAID we tested on C170, there is a layer there in the chipset that handles distributing those IOs to the multiple devices. That's why you're able to configure the RAID in the BIOS without an operating system. Okay. Right? That's why you're able to boot from it, because it's able to talk to those drives before you even get into an OS. Mm-hmm. So the CPU does no work for that. Right? It's huh. just like the chipset just handles that. Um, there is still a little bit of overhead for CPU, but it's not that much. On X99, when we did some testing on that, it was like twice as much overhead. Because the CPU was doing all of the work, because all of the lanes from those PCIe devices go straight to the CPU. There's no way for anything to help it, right? So it's basically driver-level software RAID hmm. for RSTE under X99. Does that explain things, Jeremy? Okay, good. <laughs> he was uh, muted or something? He was he muted. Didn't, he didn't fine. say anything, but he, he, no, was, I was drooling over Ken's beer menu. Oh, oh. okay. Uh... 
Yeah, so that's the story for that. I mean, okay. there might be another thing coming later where they add another you right. know version of that. But for right now, Z170 is going to be the, the the better way to raid them for like a consumer. Gotcha. All right, let's why does go ahead. One of your you know drives not look like the other in that picture. Oh, uh, because the one of them was the review sample. Oh, I see. They, they all have the same firmware on them. Uh, just I guess the there's different labels on the retail ones. Yep. I, I do like that they actually have 950 Pro written on the top of them now. So you can actually see it? Because it was, like, they actually did have, like, that same kind of a logo on a separate little sticker on the back of the review sample, which I thought made no sense. Right. So, yeah. All right, let's talk with Josh if we have to. We're going to uh, quickly talk about what AMD brought forth in their kind of little AMD Q1 product refresh. Now, this is APUs and CPUs and coolers, not GPUs, guys, so uh, uh, understand that as we go into it. Yeah. Hello, Cat. Yeah, Cat jumped onto the back of my chair (laughs) because she was lonely. Was she lonely, Josh, or...? I could be lonely, too, but... (laughs) It's like so thank thank you, Master. He for actually and I rain. looked at it. He would he was like motioning the cat over. Please, come oh yeah, here. Please come. yeah, because cats listen to. I, li- yeah, I like how the cat, cat is completely just like just like just like looking around. <laughs> it's so interesting here. <laughs> what, do you, what do you got going on on that screen there, buddy? Hey, uh, yeah. Yeah. look, it's me. Hey, it's yeah. <laughs> a handsome, it's a handsome cat right there. Uh, anyway, let's Calicos. talk. About, let's talk about uh, AMD Q1 stuff. What's, All right, what's there, interesting? There's been multiple things that uh, they have released. Um, <clears throat> there were three new CPUs, APUs, the A10 7860K, yep, which is a Gunavari based solution, which kind of is like a very but a little bit more optimized. So it's it's full a full full for Roller cores, so two modules, eight GPU cores. This is kind of interesting. The 7850K runs at 3.7 gigahertz to 4.0 gigahertz. Now, if you notice, the 7860K, mm-hmm. which is a higher number, has a base clock that is 100 megahertz lower at 3.6 gigahertz. However, the GPU frequency over the 7850K is much higher. It's like 120 hertz, megahertz. Mm, okay. The biggest deal here, the, the 7850K one. is a 95-watt TDP part. This is a 65-watt. So they've uh, done some kind of tweaking on the process and, and the firmware and, and the microcode and whatnot, and they've gotten that down to 65 watts running mostly at the same speed with a higher GPU speed. So that's, cool. you know, a positive thing. Yeah. The second one, the 7470K, uh, one module, two cores, uh, GPU cores cut down half. Uh, it goes back to the 3.7 to 4.0. GPU frequency up quite a bit higher. And again, is a 65-watt part. But they cut the L2 cache down, and the price is like sixty bucks. It's really just dirt cheap for something that's going to game well for you in you know League of Legends, Dota two, that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's it's really dirt cheap, and probably the the final and more yeah yes. 
interesting one, is the Athlon X4845. This is the first desktop excavator-based CPU out there. Now, it has the graphics portion chopped off. It's a 65-watt part, but it runs at 3.5 gigahertz to 3.8 gigahertz. Um, AMD claims that there is IPC, instructions per clock, improvements with excavator over steamroller. So the potential is there to have, you know, about the speed of a 7860K, but a lot cheaper and with no GPU. At a game, 65 watts, it's got half the cache, but that's not as big of a deal because AMD really designed around that. The cache is typically one of the more expensive portions when it comes to power and heat mm-hmm. on a CPU. So they cut that in half, and they also, if you notice, they, they have far fewer PCI Express 3.0 lanes. Right. The thing about this is it's obviously one of the mobile parts that did not yield or bend how they wanted it to, but they're still able to get it to run at a good enough pace that they can do it to the desktop. Now, this is a $69.99 part. Ooh, that's cheap. And it's kind of interesting. That is inexpensive. Certainly, you know, it is inexpensive. And, uh, you know, certainly from people who like to experiment and dig into things, this would be an interesting part to see exactly how much of an IPC improvement we have, what other kind of features they have, how well does it utilize that 2 megs L2 cache, and uh, what kind of effect will just having a buy eight PCI Express 3.0 have on, on you know somebody building a low end gaming machine? So these are all good questions sure. to have. And again, it's it's probably the most interesting part of this entire release. Now they also they also talked about some motherboard updates. This is something we talked about during our CES talk. Uh, a lot where there are uh, a handful of boards coming out, AM3 plus, FM2 plus, that have like, what are they adding? Like USB 3.1, USB 3.1 M.2. M.2 SATA. Yeah. And so there's there's multiple uh Wait, did you say, is it there. SATA? Like, what? Oh, it is SATA, yeah. M.2 SATA. M.2 SATA. Yeah. That's still a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's better than SATA SATA. And I think SATA. that there's the, the, the gigabyte... <laughs> is a uh, NVMe-based product. What is so that? What do, it, it what do you supports mean? that, I think. Oh, like, not on the M.2. Like, you just mean... What's the issue? No, the, it's an M.2 NVMe on the Gigabyte G1. Oh, you think they G1. have PCI Express-based NVMe? Huh. Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, it's all PCI Express-based period. It, uh, but the thing is, is that uh, it's PCIe 2.0 rather than 3.0. Well, this M.2 SATA is not PCIe. Yeah, it's not. Right? If it says M.2 well, no, SATA, it's... M.2 SATA connectors. Se- several of them are M.2 period and do support NVMe. Okay. Like huh, the Geekbyte okay. G1 Gaming. So it's just a wording Because you can have M.2 yeah. ports that can, that can go both ways, actually. Oh, they do? Yeah. They have to be wired properly, but they can. But you would think you would point those out more explicitly. Because that's, that's a much better, newer, moderner thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there yeah. we go. Anyway, so we talked about some of that there. We also talked about the Wraith cooler. 
Wraith Cooler uh, from CES. It's cool. I have one it's here. I just haven't had a chance to really write anything up on it yet, but it works. It's quiet. It's extremely quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, that's good. This is, this is, things. Did they say officially this is the car or the cooler that's going to come with Zen? They nope. were at least hinting at it, right? I thought they and, were. Uh, they don't know. No. Who knows? Who knows what kind I of mean, TDP Zen comes cooler. in? That's a little overkill for Zen, isn't it? Maybe. Maybe. It's a 125-watt cooler. So, who knows? Uh, they've also got a APU smaller 65 to 95 watt yep. cooler that they've kind of made like the Wraith, except not nearly as exciting. Um, yeah, it's better than the current stuff, which is always a big plus. Uh, they're cutting prices a little bit, so you can get the Wraith with the 8370 for 199. Uh, just a regular FX 8370 for 189 which is a $10 difference. Uh, they don't list things like the works. 8350, which is, you know, 179 which would still be my first choice because you really don't gain a whole lot of speed with the 8370. Right. Uh, yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see the 87, the X4 870K versus the X4 845. Yeah. Well. I don't know. Some I, of those and see. Yeah, I, I mean, a sixty-nine dollar processor sounds pretty interesting in a lot of ways, regardless of what it is. Like, I'd like to see what that performance kind of goes into. Uh, I did look through Sebastian's piece from last year where he looked at like CPU scaling and versus GPU scaling in like five, six different games or something like that. Yeah, with all those GPUs and processors. I remember that. In the predecessor to the X eight forty five, the X four eight forty. Did not do particularly well in that testing. It was below the i3 in terms of performance on gaming. Yeah. Um, but it is $69. So there's that. Right? There's If you could build a system, you can build a system. I don't know what else to say. Don't expect any miracle. No. But at least it'll work. I agree. Yeah. Um, let's touch on, uh, real quickly, Scott posted an editorial with the title... What's the point of Steam OS? And he put it in quotes, uh, which means it's not his question. It's a question from an Ars Technica UK published editorial um, where the person is basically, as Scott says here, that story mostly rants about technical problems with the Zotac review unit, but the headline is interesting nonetheless, basically calling out that person. Um, but he goes through some of the details of, of why Steam OS exists, why it was created. I think there's a lot of debate out there about like, oh, it was built when Windows 8 and the Windows App Store were going to kill everything. Windows 10 came out now, and they have kind of like backed off almost completely on the App Store side of things. Yeah, And killed Media Center. And killed Media Center. So, does SteamOS need to exist now? Still, kind of. I wish I hadn't killed Media Center. Well, me too. I still haven't taken the whole Pogue capture card out of my system. I'm still running a Media Center PC. It I built a Media Center PC after they stopped supporting it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Uh. <laughs> So it's actually a really good uh, editorial here, uh, and it goes into kind of you know how the media center stuff works into it. What if it competed with the Windows Store yeah. uh, instead of competing as an operating system? I think that's makes more sense. We still have not seen the pickup of you know Steam OS the way you know two CESs ago we maybe expected or thought that they would have. Yeah, but 
it's 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 kind of interesting to think about. I, we should I should maybe build another SteamOS system in the near term and see if anything has changed in that uh, in that ecosystem at all. Setup process, game uh, availability. Mm-hmm. You know, are some of the newer titles actually available? And any of that stuff yet? I don't really know. Uh, so check out that editorial uh, that Scott wrote up. It's 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 worth reading. Uh, the next thing I want to do is I want to talk about the EVGA contest that we ran. We have winners. Um, they are. Did picked. I win? You did not win again. Why not? I I gave away. As I should get a prize. Listen, we saw your, that you we saw you register your cat. And, your uh, prize. She's really cute cat. Your yeah. prize is Rainy the benefit with. of continuing to be on the podcast and uh, That's you true. know Fine. working and stuff. Uh, the winners. Let's see. That's not posted on the on the page for some reason. I thought it would be uh, Robert N from Mashpee, Massachusetts. Is that M A? No. M.A. is Massachusetts? M.A.? I think so. Maine well, is M.E. Name a town mash P. I don't... I didn't... Mississippi I didn't, is M.S. What's Missouri? M.S. Oh. Well, what's Mississippi? M.I. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of states that start with M. That's true. Uh, Nathan mm-hmm. H. from Palm Harbor, Florida, and Josh H. Wait a minute. Hmm. Josh wait, wait H. from Beaverton, Oregon. So unless you I also have a, unless you have a secondary address in Beaverton, uh, so congratulations to those people. Um, uh, I, don't, I don't have the order written down of who won what. One of you won an EVGA 750G2 power supply. One of you won an EVGA Z170 FTW motherboard, and the other a GTX 970 SSC gaming. Thank you to EVGA for supporting us with the contest, and uh, we have another one. Probably it's going to start before the end of the week, another contest as well. So just keep checking out PCPer.com. That's where all the cool guys go uh, for their for their contests. So let's get to a handful of news it, items. It wasn't, wasn't uh, Marvin the winner of the uh, wheel? Marvin Mar- from Texas? Marvin from Texas. Uh, <laughs> I, so. I checked. It's not, it's not super close to Maury, so I don't think Maury was cheating again. Oh, good. This was like uh, in an outskirt of Houston, pretty close to the Texas, uh, Louisiana state line okay so there's that uh let's get to a handful of news items here before uh we wrap up this show we're going to talk about uh gigabyte releasing uh an update to their z170 motherboards that that basically fixes skylake is that right jeremy yeah so you may have heard a news story a little while ago on our page about skylake sort of just stopping dead uh when running a mercian prime uh, distributed computing or occasionally Prime 95. It didn't seem to happen much when you were gaming, but it certainly happened when you are doing hardcore number crunching. And Intel sort of came out and said, it's honestly not us. And the fact that an updated UEFI has fixed the problem completely does sort of lend credence to that. So Gigabyte was the first to come out. Any uh, Anyone that's running a Skylake processor that's interested in that or just likes to know their processor isn't going to stop dead if you ask it a really tough math question go pop over uh, pick up the the update and hey you might even get some bonus performance out of it because we all like BIOS updates now that they don't brick systems all the time I would say the fact that it's a BIOS update doesn't necessarily mean that it's not Intel's fault also Intel provides a base level for BIOS code that all the the guys Based on, so it's still Intel's fault, regardless. It would it would be impossible that all of the developers independently made the same error. 
like all the motherboard manufacturers, I guess, independently made the same error. Uh, And you can, and I think this is something we've seen before, Josh, as well, where if you have a hardware level bug in your product, you can fix it in BIOS by kind of bypassing it or changing the way that calculation is done. Something like that, right? Well, to, to, to a certain degree. I mean, you can change some microcode in there yeah. and uh, do some workarounds. But <clears throat> that would be some stuff that you require an OS update yeah. as well. Microcode actually gets like sent to the CPU during boot. Gotcha. Yeah, but so it's the BIOS not quite has an it. FDiv level. Yeah, it's it's like a it's like a volatile firmware update for the CPU. Hmm. One, one interesting stuff we could do with that. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Uh, all right. Uh, next story up here is um, you guys might remember a fellow by the name of Jim Keller. Hey, hit Sounds that button familiar. Uh, uh, he designed processors for AMD, and then he left. And yeah. then he he came back. He went to Apple for again. a little while, right? Okay. What do you do there? Probably design GPUs. Oh, okay. That'd be my guess. Not GPUs, no, but A9. A8. Yeah, yeah, not GPUs. Sorry, yes, yeah, processor side. Um, so Ooh. now he works at Tesla. I don't know what to say about that, right? Like, maybe, I don't. Maybe the graphics in your Tesla will go fast. Well, he's a CPU guy, not a GPU guy. Oh. So to correct myself, self driving. So he is doing big stuff in the self-driving and, and, and figuring out the SOCs and what kind of hardware you do that effectively and maybe even possibly using NVIDIA parts. So here's what's interesting. Do we think that Tesla is buying up people like Keller to just evaluate hardware and help pick the right stuff? Or is Tesla going to do what Apple did and design their own SOCs to – put into their cars and platforms I would to do the self-driving. I would see them doing the first. Everybody yeah. thought that with Apple, I guess, too, for a while. Yeah, but they're I, selling I millions and millions of products. Do you think Tesla is selling millions yeah. and millions of products? I mean, they're to be clearly not. It's not cost-effective for them yet, yeah. for Tesla to do that yet. But they do need a guy that can but pick what, that but stuff. But what, if, what if Tesla has a, a deal or relationship with somebody like Ford or somebody who is going to, like... Somebody who says, we're going to part with Tesla to do all of our self-driving car uh, stuff into the future. Okay, how about something like this? Okay, go for it. A guy who can take a multitude of processors and get them to communicate with each other effectively. These are off-the-shelf products, and to do it in a way that will facilitate the development I just, of... I just don't think you need a guy like Jim Keller to do that. Yeah, seems I don't know. That's pretty complex. I mean, especially when you to consider get SOCs to talk to each other. Okay, think of entire thing. You've got multiple SOCs doing many things, and you have to integrate them all together to get a functioning whole. And I think that that's yeah, you know, because you got visual stuff, you've got radar, you've got the, the biggest the biggest complication I can think of where you'd need someone that really knows their stuff to accomplish that is because all of that stuff is not like a typical computer. All of that stuff is a real-time thing. All I'm of those events... Josh, this functional hole. Like, all of those <laughs> events are happening real-time. Yeah. It can't... Like, one can't take too long and stall other ones and stuff like that. This is... Yeah, I mean, is yes, all of this is correct, but it's not something that people aren't already doing. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Like, if you look at it, if you look at what NVIDIA announced at CES with their whole Pascal-based drive system, was a drive PX2 or whatever the hell it was, you know, 
there's a company that has all of the SOC stuff they claim it's necessary for self-driving and deep neural networks and all that crap working in one box already. Here you go. Why do you need somebody like Jim Keller to go that one? There might, there might need, they might need to make like one custom thing to ties all the stuff together. That's on a chip. Sure. And he would be a good guy to do that because he already knows about all the other things he's tying together. I just, yeah. I mean, I just don't see how you get a guy who designed, did he do the K seven Josh? That's right. Um, DEC stuff. Yeah, okay. I think he was architect K seven, and then he laid out. So you get the guy, <clears throat> the architects who, for AMD sixty four, but oh, he didn't okay. work on K eight. Okay, but you get the guy who did that, and then who made the first two Apple SOCs. Yeah. Okay, and then he came back to AMD, and he was designing the Zen architecture. And then you go to Tesla. Yeah, I don't know to do what, like to be a part picker. I, it just doesn't make any sense to me unless maybe, they are building something. Maybe just or you're just cars. or you're just Elon Musk and you're a crazy guy maybe, and you're just maybe like I want the very best Tesla people stuff. to do the pick. I mean, you know, he's maybe they're just Tesla stuff, and then he's moving on to some SpaceX. Maybe he could be designing processors across all of Elon Musk's crazy adventures. Yeah, I, the Hyperloop needs a processor. SpaceX needs processors. No, I don't think the Hyperloops. You need processors. You're going to have to manage all these mag crap, right? Yeah, Otherwise, yeah. you're just going to plow into a wall at it's 900 miles all the way down, down man. <laughs> CV <laughs> all the way down. I don't know. I, I Like I said, other than this crazy photo that Scott likes to use uh, anytime we mention something with, with the gym in it. Um, he's, he's judo chopping. Right. The competition. <laughs> Hercules never knew judo. Uh, it's... It's just an interesting placement for me. I'm very curious to see to see to see what he does. Or maybe he just has like this huge background in software and he's like, I know how to manage self driving. Or maybe he's, he's making a custom ASIC that will just integrate all of the external SOCs into one easily accessible thing. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Low SID latency performance and, and, and uh communication between them all. In one package? Just, just the interface. Well, maybe not all 17 SOCs in a, a Tesla. You know, the one ring, the one ring to rule right. them all. Right. Just, Jim Keller is, is creating it. Yeah. Uh, real quick, um, Tim posted this up as well. AMD Fire Pro S Series introduces hardware-based GPU virtualization. Um, I, don't, I guess I, I thought this was a thing that was already out. But is it not like actual full full on scale GPU virtualization? Um, yeah, but it's competing with Grid. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Right, so you, you can reserve chunks of memory and processing power for numerous users. Right. So it, it it's a market that's sort of opened up, and it makes sense that they put something out branded specifically at it, even if there is hardware that can sort of do it already. It says that the Fire Pro S series allows virtual machines direct access to the full range of GPU hardware, shaders, memory, etc., and OpenCL 2.0 support on the software side. The S1750 supports up to 16 simultaneous users, and the S1750X2 tops out at 32 users. Go figure. Uh, each virtual machine is allocated an equal slice of the GPU, and as you add virtual machines, the equal slices get smaller. Maybe that... I remember talks about this. I remember... Uh, um, that this was like the thing that was going to happen, but I guess I thought it had already been implemented. Maybe it hadn't been implemented at this kind of level yet. I don't know. Graphics card uses EC memory. Yeah, there you go. 
And okay. Hey, great, fantastic. Now everybody can virtualize their system. This is more for an enterprise level yep. type thing anyway. Um, Jeremy, tell me about changes to Fallout, if you don't mind. Um, apparently well, I, there was a big update to the game that changed some graphical features. Uh, yeah, the, the day after Kyle and the crew at Hard OCP just did a review on a certain game. That sucks. Sort of just like happened to you. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it allowed uh, HBO... HBAO Plus to all GPU users, and it'll add uh, some specific NVIDIA features for uh, weapon re-effects. But the other thing they did uh, is troll through a bunch of the Nexus mods that exist, which anyone who plays Skyrim is going to recognize in a second. Ah. So these are all of the texture packs, the 2K texture packs, the 4K texture packs, uh, which... If you look through the screenshots, are, are going to make this the next Skyrim where you load 837 different mods into it, and it's going to make a difference. Like the, some of the screenshots that they do, you can see a huge difference huh. in everything. Like the, those, are probably the 4K uh, ones, and, and they did a bit of testing. And so, if you're going to go with the 2K or the 4K. At about 1080p, ah, you're good with 4 gigs of memory. If you're going to try and do that at 1440p or higher, well, you better have a lot of GDDR on your hands. But they talk through how to load all of these, uh, how to get them playing together well, and it, it's it's a way that Fallout 4 is going to stay alive for quite a while because how when did Skyrim come out? He's 2011, I think. Right, and, and people are still demanding benchmarks with a, a giant list of mods. Applied. Yeah, they do. But you look at the wood textures. It's It looks a bit different now, doesn't it? Yeah, that looks pretty good. Yeah. Some of, some of the changes are, like, just different based on my eye, and some of them are vastly improved. Yeah. And they yeah. go through the ones that will add seasons to uh, your experience, add uh, oh. proper nice storms to it, because it is... After all, cool. post nuclear winter. Well, sure. Uh, so it's neat to give a look over, especially if you haven't really dealt with Nexus Mod and their mod manager, and are a little bit scared about dipping into this because yeah, it's cool. It I'm going to check that out. Worth it. That's pretty cool. Good on Hard OCP for doing that. Neat stuff. Uh, let's see what else we got. OCZ launches the Tryon 150 here, Alan, the successor to the Tryon 100. Yep, which was a TLC slash SLC hybrid low-cost OCZ SSD. Other than this fancy white label, what else has changed? Uh, it has smaller flash dies in it. Okay. But that's actually about it. <laughs> so it's it says it's using A15. It's 15, 15 nanometer. Now. Yeah. As opposed to the Tryon 100 used what? Yeah. Actually, the A15 was an error in their uh, press release. Oh, it's oh, just oh. 15. It was A19, which was like the second revision, 19 nanometer Toshiba flash. I see. No, oh, okay. it's just 15. Um, and so what, a, what does that buy us? Uh, honestly, it just buys potentially lower cost. Usually it buys you negatives. Like, right, usually when you shrink dies on uh, flash, you lose endurance. Yeah, like your endurance goes down, sometimes your speed goes down, but they have all of their specs have remained identical, uh, even their endurance specs, which is impressive. So that means Toshiba is basically qualifying this newer flash like with the same number of write cycles right um, correct did it again yeah damn it uh 
so that's good, but um, we haven't tested them yet. They're on their way. We'll, uh, once we get them in, we'll review them and see how they compare to the last right. one. I suspect their SLC caching might be a little bit better, because that was what was a little bit, like, iffy on right. the Tryon 100. Um, but, you know, uh, should be pretty decent. I hope they can get the prices down even lower than what the Tryon 100's pricing was, because, you know, anybody else other than Samsung really needs to get their prices down, basically. With to compete. To compete. Yeah. Especially on a low-cost SSD, which is what this is going for, right? Right. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, before we get to our hardware software picks of the week, I'm going to give a shout-out to uh, a new Patreon contribution that came in while we were recording the podcast uh, from Freebaser, Freebaser, uh, who pledged $6.66. Wow. <laughs> Satan? I, you know, I'm not going to argue. Hmm? Uh, that's the kind of quality backer we need. That's right. That's right. So you can you, you can you can pledge three or five or ten or twenty, but you can also pledge your own special amount, like six dollars and sixty six cents. Listen, listen. Even even that's sacrilegious fine. amounts of money will still <laughs> will still go towards the same goal of making our our you know stuff better and right. more. Oh man, I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. Thank you, thank you, sir. Um, all right, let's get into our hardware software picks of the week. Up first from me, uh, we have this: the PV USB audio interface. And this is an interesting device that we actually. We're might, using right now. I, we're using yes, we're using two of them currently, uh, and we may I may have recommended it like years and years ago, but whatever. Uh, this is a USB based audio interface, as it says, that it gives you XLR outputs. Yep. Right. It has a switch on the front that you could put it in stereo or mono mode. Uh, and you get two uh, outputs. It's called the PV USB P. It's just a high quality. Sound card with XLR out. Yep, basically. transformer isolation, ground lifted isolation. Uh, it does not come with a USB cable, which I find very annoying. Does it also? Not How many come of those XLR? do you actually have around your office? Because I've got like seventy-five. Well, the, of the A to B cables. Yeah, those yeah. are those are getting harder and They're harder to find, to find now. Harder yeah. to find. Yeah, money in our future. Yeah, I that's had, true. Like, like at home the other day, I tried to use like an external uh, just uh, CD drive that I had. Yeah, I couldn't find the dang cable. Yeah, was it an A to B? Yeah, mint condition. It was A to B, and I still and I didn't have one like anywhere in the house. I was like, oh crap. So I use we use this for uh, the the purpose we use this for is we have three of them hooked up to the streaming machine. Each Skype connection uses one of those as its output sound card, and that's how we get. And it then into we the get board. it into the mixer that yeah. way. Uh, and we also uh, I ordered a couple more of them because we use this during uh, our racing live stream because we were tired of the audio interference issues we get from running like a thirty foot. Uh, Headphone jack. headphone cable essentially right from the mixer to the to the device we we plugged this in to it used one uh, used the left put it in mono mode that's the only kind of drawback to it although you could do stereo if you want sure. uh, out of it and got like clean X- audio XLR straight into the board straight straight into the board yep. uh, you can convert XLR to to, to quarter inch uh, if you want right and these are fifty bucks a piece and it's just it's just a thing that we just plug in and it works. Windows sees them, they enumerates them correctly with you know subsequent numbers, which is nice because we have three or four plugged into a machine. Yep. Uh, which is which and is. And the good. next thing you know, Groot is lifting you. That's right. Groot <laughs> uh, lifted. You're right. It's supposed to be ground lifted, but it is Groot. Okay. Anyway, 
Uh, Jeremy, what do you got for us? Well, VR sounds wonderful, and with E-Valkyrie and uh, Elite Dangerous and that looking like they're going to support it, it, it's sort of going to be the killer app for these VR goggles, but how in the hell are you supposed to know where your hands are on the joystick when you can't look at it? <coughs> well, this guy... Just... Sorry, I got to clear my throat. <laughs> well, I mean, if you've had enough practice, you do know where it is all the time. Yeah, yeah. Josh has to never look at his joystick. So with three retractable key rings and a nice ball, this guy built a six-axis mouse. Okay. Just grip the ball in the middle, and you've got six degrees of movement. How does it know what is forward and backwards? It's the retract. It's the, the see. There's little sensors. No, 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 on no. It, so Here's the gonna... thing. Uh, are are they kind of somewhat offset? Because yeah. think they're all in one plane. No, they're rotation yeah. sensors, though. And they rotate. Oh, okay. Yeah, it your doesn't know the length. Just, it doesn't know the length only of in them. one plane, or does your ball rotate? <laughs> well, yeah, it only knows. Well, the, it only knows the three uh, directions that those things are pointing. Come on, pull it away. That is interesting. Push it. Push it real Push good. It real good. Huh? Twist it. Bop it. That is true. Twisting it also works. Yep. Six. That's pretty neat. Yeah, Come and on, push and pull. So you've got your throttle, you've got your roll, you've got your pitch, you got your yaw. Yeah, that is it's, interesting. It's there, there it goes. goes. Watch him pull it back. Just, just do he looks motion. like a guy that would create a six-axis mouse. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah basically. Not, not maybe for a space out of sample, <laughs> out of retractable <laughs> keyring. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Things. It's pretty cool. The only thing I'm thinking is, how do you make sure it gets back to center? Because th- th- it will creep off of center eventually. He's, he's definitely a government worker. <laughs> he's got all those parts sitting <laughs> around. No, because those guys always have, the, you know, like, your badge is on the retractor. Those are motorized. They're not... No. No. Those aren't those motorized? Those oh, are just sensors. Just That's a sensor that on, on the axis. Uh, the key ring is, the key ring is like, further up. I see. See it go forwards and backwards there, Josh? Yes, I do. Yeah. Because imagine Gosh. if Logitech was going to sell you one of these. I don't think it would be the price of a couple of sensors and a couple of key rings. Nope. No, but this is a good area for them to get into. Because not everybody's going to make these things. That's, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Those look bigger than key ring sized holsters, guys. I'm sorry. I don't know. Have would you, you like ever been a janitor? Well, obviously you have not been. But no, that's... That's yeah. that's key ring janitor has, size. He just has he just has the maybe janitor size, yes, but not normal government. So it's basically size. a joystick that's that's flexing to the angle of the string from the retractable key ring. The mm-hmm. circle thing behind it is where it's yeah, yeah, yeah. you know is where the string's coming out of. It's where the tension comes. It's where from. the reel is. Yeah. 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 So it's just like it's just three joysticks all that all point at a point in space at the same time. Right. And some that's a cool idea. Your acceleration and deceleration. Yeah, I, that's I think neat. It's brilliant. That's a really good idea. That's neat. Uh, Josh, what do you got? Me. You yes, know, this yes. is an older product, but one that um, fits you. I use all the time. The Corsair is still making the twenty five hundred two point one speakers, and I still this use thing. These. Yeah, you got Ryan has them on his desk. Yeah, I mean they just they. Just, just thump. They've got great sound. They're really flat, which is kind of nice. Yeah. And uh, 
yeah, I, I hammer those things in, in games, workouts, oh, washing out. dishes to music. Yeah. Yes. These are all the things that I do. I'm a big fan of having a hardware volume control. My only complaint about these, and I'm curious if you have the same complaint, Josh, is like, so you hit the button to like mute or unmute, like you mm-hmm. hit the volume button, and it dims the controls uh, in the LCD screen up top. Sure. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't dim it enough for you to be able to tell at a glance whether or not it's muted or unmuted. Oh. Mm. No, I haven't had that because I, I rarely ever mute mine. So. Oh. Not a Does not a problem with me. If you just turn the volume at all, yes. No, when volume, my kids start complaining, all I do is turn the volume up. Yeah, yeah, it's good. <laughs> These are kind of expensive, three hundred bucks. They are, but boy, I've had them for a while and they still sound fantastic. You get good quality admit. speakers, several Class D amps built in. Like, yep. I mean, it's you know, like you would pay a lot of money. I think to do I've had like these for five years now, if not more. It's been that long, really? Yeah. Yeah. The input They're, is just good speakers uh, are just good speakers. It's just eighth inch phono in right that's all that's how you can get the sound into these they don't have any kind of uh, USB it's got thing. multiple inputs it is not a usb it's, it's not, not a digital USB. input okay. no 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 yeah that's what i was trying to figure out cool corsair gaming audio series sp2500 i totally totally would not have been able to tell you what the name of those products were what those speakers yeah, what were the, the model number is yeah, yeah no yeah. all you know is how they sound Just corsair speakers indeed indeed all right and uh last but probably least alan uh, so if you liked Mist and you liked Riven, holy crap, you definitely need to play The Witness. Because Aren't you glad I told you about this? That thing is a crazy puzzle. I'm glad. I am glad you told me about this. Witness me, brothers. Um, and I live, I, I, die. I, I play puzzles again. Yeah, I, I, I <laughs> may or may not have lost a majority of my last weekend um, on that on that thing. It's an interesting game because if you're watching the video version, you see like the puzzle style is very simplistic, yeah. right? It's it's very much a it's a maze game. It's a finish the maze puzzles. Yep. But it gets way more complex, colors and shapes and patterns and all that type of stuff. I mean, if you look at this one, you're like, well, no, duh, I know how to finish that one. Yeah. Oh yeah. But it introduces a whole lot of mechanics. Um, it really that, does build on itself a lot. Yes. And it gets very complicated and it's hard. quickly. Yeah. And it's hard. It's not super easy. And then the idea is you're on an island, much like Mist or, or, or Riven. Yeah. It's a uh, similar kind of thing to that. And yeah. you are, as you solve these puzzles, certain areas will open up for you. Certain things will happen. Uh, and, and it's kind of an interesting uh, little it, puzzle. I'm not nearly looks, as far into it as Alan is. it looks pretty good. Like, the graphics are well done. Yeah, it's, like, not hyper-realistic. It's an art style, yeah. but it's uh, yeah, but it's it good. Is, it is definitely a specific art style, but yep. it looks very good at, yep. in, at that style, right? Is it shiny um, and chrome? It is. Uh, it, it, no. It's, uh, it's a kind of a little bit cartoony. Yeah. It's like, it's, like, realistic cartoony, though. Yeah. Like, like that. This is, uh, this, is the, uh, this is from Jonathan Blow, the guy who did Braid. Uh, which was another fantastic kind of platformer puzzle. It's one of this things, is much less platformer. One of those things I bought on Steam and never played. It's a really good game. You'd like it a lot. <laughs> yeah, I know. I need um, to do that. <laughs> this is like that meets antechamber. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Good old puzzle. You know, game I couldn't what, get into antechamber. No, I, I couldn't either. But oh, I couldn't beat it. it it's tough. But this it thing fun. though, holy crap! I mean, really. You might like if you really get into games like that. You might want to like set a timer or something on your desk, 
and like say, this, okay, I'm I, only going to play for a couple hours. A lot of people in, the, in like the gaming ecosystem, uh, like the podcast listeners who are playing a lot of this, and they're talking about like you're going to take notes, you're going to have a notepad next to it, and you're going to write down. You know things that you found out, so that when you go to the next puzzle that kind of integrates it, you remember how to do it exactly. Yep. There are people that are like you're taking screenshots of what's going on, and you're going out of the game, and you're rotating that picture in Photoshop or something, yep. or you're like adjusting opacity so you can try to see something that maybe you can't see in the game itself. So there's a lot of uh, of stuff to it like that. It's not as simple as I think it would be impossible for somebody to do this without writing something down. At yeah. the very least. Yeah, you definitely either that or just be taking screenshots a lot. You're right. How, how do you compare this to the Talos principle? I did not play that. I didn't. Uh, I heard some people talking about that people comparison. People comparing it to that, yeah. The the comparison uh, from what I think this is from the Giant Bomb guys, I believe they said that like the, the Talos principle is a much better story to go along with the puzzles, but... Yeah. The witness has much better puzzles. Like yep. the puzzles are more there's, fun. There's not much story stuff. in this, right? There's there's audio clips that you can hear throughout the thing, right? But it's not so much of a direct like this is the plot. Yeah. There's not really a plot. And you can see some of the art style here from some of the screenshots, and you know the island is not. It's not island's not really that big, but uh, uh, you know you can see you get an idea of like the different environments that exist. There's the island and you can kind of see all the but it is like, different it, segments. It is like mist in that it's a little bit spooky because like nothing is alive. Correct. Right? Like, yeah, you're the only one there. You're the only us. one there. Like you're the only living thing there, you know? Um, so this is the witness. It is, you can buy it on steam. Uh, and I think he sells it. Jonathan blow sells it through his website directly still directly. Right? And it's like DRM a, free. It's a DRM free it version. Directly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, thirty nine ninety nine. You can only do one or the other, which kind of bug, bugs me because typically, like, so you can buy both if you want. Well, you can, yeah. But like, if you, you know, typically when I equate DRM free, I immediately go to like humble bundles, which typically will give you the DRM free version. You can download straight from them, and they would also give you a Steam key if you requested. Right. This one I guess I don't that. understand the point of that, but I mean, sure. I don't know if the kind of people that just want a DRM free. Do you think that? If I buy a Steam version, I should get the DRM-free version, too? Well, see, I didn't do it, but that's because it, it doesn't apply to me anymore so much. But, like, when I was in the Navy and, like, on a sub, right, I would need a DRM-free version so I could play it offline. Okay. Right? Fair. But then when I'm not on the sub, like, I just want the... I would want the convenience of just, like, the Steam version. Running Steam and stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just checked Humble Bundle, and, yeah, you can buy it via Steam Key or DRM-free. Yeah, they, they, right. they very clearly underline the or to make it remind people like look this is not I wonder why I wonder what the reasoning would be why it would be different but I don't know a uh, very good game it's the witness it's 39 bucks uh, I would encourage you and I, Alan obviously encourages you to, to check it out since uh, it was his pick of the week that's gonna be it everybody uh, thank you for uh, hanging out for the podcast again Wednesday nights 10 p.m. Pacific 7 p.m. I'm sorry, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. We record the show at pcpar.com slash live. You can go to pcpar.com slash podcast to find all the RSS feeds. Don't forget, if you like the video version, you want to have a downloadable version of it, You can. Uh, we have a now a video RSS feed that people have been asking for for years and years and years that um, after our first Patreon uh, limit was hit, our first milestone was hit, we decided to implement the RSS feed. So it costs us, it's going to, it's costing us in bandwidth for sure, because it's like a 1.4 gigabyte file each week uh, that, you know, hundreds of people are downloading. Um, but uh, uh, it's, 
you know, hey, we're, we're here to create stuff that you guys want. And then, of course, if you want to support us on Patreon, it's patreon.com slash PCPer. And we thank you very much for that. With that, everybody, uh, we will see you next week. I'm Ryan Shrout. I'm Jeremy Holstrom. I'm Twalrith. And I'm Alan Malentano. Bye, everybody. Good night.